I was, um, I was thinking through the message and uh, praying through where God wanted me to go and, and what he would have me to share. And, and I, I believe that where we're going to go tonight is going to be profitable for all of us prayerfully. He'll speak to my soul. He'll speak through me to you. Uh, and, 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 and we're pleading that God is going to do something in your, in your lives. But, but one privilege I think that, that I've had in, in my position and in my love for you guys and, and also in the pursuit of Rachel is, is prayerfully, um, we have been able to, to some extent, imperfectly, demonstrate for you uh, what it is to pursue and what it is to chase and what it is to, uh, to go after someone as Christ has gone after us. So tonight, I want to, uh, to call on that example and to, uh, to share that with you as we go to our text. So we're going to be in Romans chapter 8 tonight, and uh, we're going to start it up in verse 31. That's where we'll spend our time uh, together, uh, and that, that we'll, see where, we'll see where God would have us, have us to go. Give a round of applause to Carter for uh, all that God spoke through him to us last week. Where is he? He's right there. He, uh, he was faithful, and man, we gleaned, we gleaned so much from, uh, from what God would, would speak to you. Um, yeah, so let's, uh, let's get going. The first, uh, the first verse in, uh, that we're going to be dealing with in Romans chapter 8 says this. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us. How many of you would ever say that you're an awkward person or you sometimes feel like you do awkward things or sometimes in conversation you go awkward on people? Okay, so like the majority of people would say sometimes uh, I'm, an, I'm an awkward person. Uh, let, me, let, me, uh, let me give you an example of, of a time where, where I am to some extent awkward and then, and then also uh, when, when certain things happen in these kinds of situations you can be overwhelmed. Has anybody ever been given a gift before? and you don't know what to say. And, and sometimes you're given a gift and you don't know what to say because it's not a very good gift, right? Um, I, I've had times where people have given me gifts that honestly, they were terrible gifts. I'm like, do you even know me? This is more offensive than it is pleasing because they give me something that I don't even like. And, and it's awkward because you, you wanna make them feel good but at the same time, you kind of want to let them know that that was a crappy gift, right? And so you're trying to track with that. But then on the other side of the equation, have you ever been given a gift that was so overwhelming or sentimental or soul-stirring that you honestly didn't know what to say? Like something was given to you and at the sure generosity or thoughtfulness of the giver, you as the receiver looked at that and thought, I do not even know what to say to what this person has just done for me. This could be something really big or it could be something really small. Let me give you an example. My pop has a uh, nightstand next to his bed and we've lived in three houses growing up and in every house we've had the same nightstand and he's had the same box sitting on that nightstand. If you know my story, my dad toured uh, all growing up and, and I, I didn't really get a whole lot of interaction with him because he was always on the road. But what he would do is when he was out there, he would collect these little tiny pieces of, uh, of the city that he was in. So like he would, they would play a show in an arena and he would bring back 
Chuck, or they would be playing a show that a bigger band had played the night before, and he'd bring back a guitar pick from the band that had played the night before, or whatever the case may be. And he would put his coins and his dollars and, and, and then these random little pieces of memorabilia in this box. And I remember growing up from the time I was little, sitting on the end of that bed, watching my dad put things in this box, and every once in a while he would pull and he'd show me some of the things he had put in there and why he'd put it in there. And, and it was just this really cool thing to watch my dad. Well, uh, when he asked me uh, for Christmas this year what I really wanted when, uh, you know, because we're establishing a home, Rachel and I, I said, you know what, Dad, one thing I would really want is I want a box like yours to sit on my nightstand because I want to be able to collect little pieces of my story that I interact with that have left a mark on me and I want to be able to remember them like you have done. So on Christmas, uh, I get this letter uh, from my dad, and I read it out loud. I get emotional because I'm a sap. And like, if you, got a, if you got a paper cut, I would probably start crying because I'm just emotional like that. I'm the guy in the chick flicks. Look at me. Just shameful. Um, I'm crying through this letter, and then I open up this package, and, and, and my dad had his box. And he had given me some of the things that he put in there that I watched him put in there when I was like, four, five, six, seven years old, and, and now it, it was going to sit on my nightstand, and I'm going to get to add to that collection some of the things that, that I interact with and some of the little pieces that seem to jump out to me. When I got that box, I was in a moment of time where I honestly did not know what to say. What should I say? I mean, this, this is a sentimental thing for me, and you are like, it's just a box, but to me, it was, it was big. Do you get that? Does that make sense? I, I, want you to, I want you to understand. When he says, what shall we say to these things? He is responding to the text that comes directly before the text that we're going to read tonight. And in that text that comes before what we're going to read tonight, what has basically occurred is, is that before the foundations of the universe, God on high looked at you as an individual. Not as just a body, not as just, not as just a big group of people, but you as an individual. Before you were even born. And he said, I want that person in my family. I, I want to know and to love and to have that person a part of my family. That's what he's responding to. That God has so loved this world that he would go to such a direct effort in sending his son to see us become a part of his family. So, why don't you close your eyes for a second so that we can all be honest with each other. How many of you ever struggle with loneliness? All right, put your hands down. How many of you ever struggle feeling like you are wanted, loved, and accepted in the lives that you lead? Put your hands up. All right, put your hands down. How many of you ever deal with self-talk or lies that would tell you that you're not enough, that you're that in the sense, that, in the sense that, that there's nothing good that you could possibly do or something good enough that you could possibly do for other people that would make you acceptable to them. Anybody struggle there? Right. Beautiful. Honesty. Put your hands down. Look up at me. First of all, you're not enough. That's not why God loves you. You're, you're actually, the Bible would say, before you come to Christ, you're an enemy and God has reconciled you, but but this is where the outrageous 
love of God starts to interact with us. While you were a sinner, God looked at you and said, I want you to be a part of my family. I want you to be a part of my family. I will do anything to get you to be a part of my family. So what did he do? He sent his son and he handed his, his son over to butchery so that you could be a part of his family. And Paul responds by saying, whatever shall we say? What could we possibly say? Like when you think about how much Christ has done to see you become a part of the family of God, to be his adopted son or daughter, to be in a relationship with him forever. When you look at Calvary, is there really anything that we could say to even begin to express gratitude for what he has done? Certainly not. And then the corner changes. If God is for us, who could ever be against us? God on high has made a move towards you in this place. That's wild. Keep going with this text. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also give with him graciously, giving us all things? Now, I love this text and I love this verse because it's an argument that the apostle gives us from this really, really great proportion to this lesser proportion. And it, and it, it might go a little bit like this. How many of you would like for me to hand you a million dollars? Now, I'm probably not going to hand a million dollars to any of you. Number one, because I don't have it. And number two, uh, if I did have it, uh, I probably would not give it all to you, mainly because I, I don't know that all of you would spend it on good things. Like, how many would you admit? I get a dollar and I spend it pretty quick. Anybody just going to say, I just, I'll talk to your moms and dads, because some, some moms and dads are like, this kid gets five bucks and spends six of it that fast. Um, I don't know how, how, you're, how you, some of you are misers, but um, if I hand you a million dollars and I do it with ease, I hand you a million dollars. Do you think that money's an object for me? If I could do that, if I could give you a million dollars, do you think that money is an object for me? That money is a struggle for me? Certainly not. C certainly, if I could hand you a million dollars, you probably would not be concerned with my ability to give you one dollar, right? You would think that if I could give you a million, certainly I could provide one. You tracking with this? He did not spare his own son, but he gave his son for you. How will he not also with him get graciously give us all things? It looks a little bit like this. God has done so much to know you, to show you his love, and to have you know him in return in this intimate deep relationship he's done so much what's the hardest thing that you could imagine for God to do to ultimately give his own son and that is exactly what God has done for us 
He has gone so far to show you his love and to find you a part of his family. How will he not graciously give us all things? We are a people that are so prone to stress and to have anxiety and to deal with pressure and to worry about our lives and to struggle through our days and to and to be concerned about all the details as if maybe they're not going to fall into place. But God has already said, I am always going to do what is good for those who love me and serve according to my purpose. And it will always be for the glory of my name. When God saw you before the foundations of the world and said, I want that person to be a part of my family. He was so committed to you being a part of his family that he gave his son. And in this commitment of giving his son, he has also promised to walk every day, in every circumstance, in every situation, through every thought, in every friendship, in every struggle, through every trial, and in the midst of every temptation with you forever, always providing you exactly what you need to do what he has called you to do always. If he did not spare his own son, what possibly could make us think that God is not invested and committed to seeing us walk in obedience victoriously in what he has done every day that we spend in this world. He is, he is for you always, never turning away from those who have called on his name. Always. Keep going with me. I love this. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is it to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. There have been times in my life where I've been struggling through certain things or um, doing things that I knew I wasn't supposed to do. Has anybody ever been there where like, you know, you know that you're not supposed to do something, but you do it anyway? Anybody ever been there? And immediately following, it results with like this, this guilt and this shame and this dirty feeling of, I know that I wasn't supposed to do that, but I did it anyway. You, you tracking with that? In that place, and in your, your spot right here, if you are in Christ, every bit of the guilt and the shame that you feel from sins that you commit has ultimately been taken from your shoulders and given to Christ who victoriously conquered it on the cross so that right now, even in the mess that is me, Christ covers me with his grace. And his atoning work on Calvary is sufficient to remove from me all of my failure and all of my, my weakness and all of my shame. So it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter for those of you who are in Jesus. It doesn't matter 
what it is that you have failed out in the past and you most certainly will fail in the future. The good news is, is that it is God who has justified you through Jesus on the cross. Who, who could ever bring a charge against you? God looks at us, and for those who are saved, he's conquered our shame and our guilt and our failure and our sin through the cross. He's taken from us what we deserve, and he's put it on Christ, and he's crushed the Son under the weight of that. And then in the resurrection, he victoriously raises Christ to life, and then he he an opportunity to believe in Christ and when we believe in Christ the guilt and the shame that was rightfully ours and the results thereof are taken from us and put on Christ and Christ gives to us his righteousness his blamelessness and his victory in life that we could forever be known as his blameless son and daughter who will ever bring a charge against you what court possibly try you in where, where will there ever be an accuser that comes before you that has something against you that has more power than what Christ has already done for you? Nothing, nothing will ever be stronger than the power of Christ to save. And for those who he saves, he saves completely. So that even in our struggles and even in our failures and even in our temptations where we're weak, God is continually driving into our spirits confirmation that he alone justifies. Which means that before the foundations of the world, in Christ, for those who believe, he looks at you and he says, you're not guilty. You're free. And this is what's crazy. I know that I am guilty. I am guilty. I have fallen and I have failed and I continue to do so. But that seems to be the point of the cross. It's God's recognizing that we will fail. And it's God's remedy that he can save. There is no court. And there is no judge. And there is no accuser that will be successful in bringing a charge against those of you who have been cleansed by Jesus Christ. Ever. So, but I feel so dirty and I feel so shameful and I feel so inadequate and I feel so less than what I should be. All of those things might be a part of Christ grooming you and growing you and stretching you and sanctifying you, but it is most certain that in the heavenly places for anyone who has been found in Jesus Christ through confession and belief, for those individuals, there is nothing that you have done, are doing, or could do that could possibly have more power to triumph over Christ's sacrifice on the cross, which is why he will have no enemy accuse his children and found victorious. Who will ever bring a charge against you? No one victoriously can do so. And then I love this next question. Who shall, who shall ever separate us from the love of Christ? 
shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or sword. Do any of these things have the power to get in between what Christ has so done for you? Most certainly not. The text would continue, as it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who has so loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. He so loves you right now in this place. He so loves you. And we're going to wind down somewhat short tonight in the message so that we can sing and sing and sing praises to the one who has done this. But as the band comes and plays and as we try to wrap this thing in, I want to speak to two parties, and I want to start with those of you who believe but might struggle with guilt and shame and the feeling of dirtiness that would keep you from knowing and experiencing God. There are very few times where someone gets saved and immediately everything they ever struggled with goes away. Like there are some occasions where the power of God works so victoriously in someone's life where they get saved and everything they were tempted with just goes away. But that's not normally the reality for most people. Would you agree? Band, you guys can come. I'm going I'm to wrap this thing in real soon. That means like maybe 15 more minutes. They think it means like 30 seconds. Every time they're like, is he going to stop? Eventually. It... For those who might struggle with feeling like the things that they have done and the feelings that they feel and the, lives, the lies that they believe and the guilt and shame that comes as a result, for those who may feel like those things have changed, altered, or divided Christ's love for you. And let me speak right to this point. Nothing can separate you from him. And as I was saying, just as there are many who would stand up and they would say, I got saved and I'm not struggling with any of these things anymore. There may be some that would say that, but I think even more so our testimonies are, we got saved and we know that God is good and that he loves and that, he, that he's powerful and that he's merciful and he's at work, but I'm still struggling and I'm still failing and I'm still having difficulty. 
falling short and I'm not, not getting a lot of traction here and, and where I take two steps forward, I seem to continually slide back. For you, let me speak. Scripture would have nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing. So even now, as your heart may be prone to wander away, God continues to lavish love on you. And nothing you could do could change that. You're not that good, not even at sinning. So maybe in this place, for those who say, I love God, but man, I'm struggling. Maybe what we ought to do is find ourselves pleading that God would once again reveal to us the beauties of His grace and confirm within us the love that He first showed us on Calvary and that we would be continually anchored to what He has done, not what we could ever achieve. And then the other group. There are some who are most likely hearing my voice and listening to what Scripture would have to say, who know that they are not a part of Christ's family, who know that they do not know Him personally, that you've never trusted, you've never believed, you've never been saved. If the Holy Spirit's drawing you, if there's something within you that would, would speak to you and, and pull you and draw you to inquire further, my suggestion or my hope for you would be that you too would find yourself before this God who has done so much. He has gone so far to show you His great love and to save you from your sins. My hope would be that you would inquire into that, that you would look into that, that you would draw into that. For when you do, you will see a God who opened up His arms and bled out his blood so that you could be a part of his family. That he would be glorified in as he powerfully saved your soul. If you'd like to talk more about that, I will most certainly be standing right there. And we're going to have adults in the back that will be happy to speak with you. But today could be the day that you know that Lord. That you see him for who he is. As we go into our time tonight uh, of worship and reflection... If there's guilt and shame, if there's a struggle, if there's a failure, if there's a fight going on in you and you need to find yourself here and you need to pray that God would give you victory and that God would show you his love and that God would reveal his face to you, then you find yourself right here and we're going to be praying that he would work. If you are living in the victory that God has given you, then maybe as we sing, you will boldly worship the one who's done this. And maybe if you know that you're being drawn and you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, then maybe that's the step that you need to take. That you need to reach out to a leader and ask them to show you just how beautiful Jesus truly is and how you might also be a part of his family. Nothing will ever separate those who are his from the love of God. Nothing. Nothing you could do. Nothing you could be. Nothing you could say will ever separate you from the love of God. Let me pray. Lord, we love you.
We ask you to be involved in our service. We ask you to move amongst our students, move in our hearts, romance us, lavish love upon this place. May every student experience the depths and the wonders of which you have done for us in Jesus. May our hearts truly worship you together as we think about all that you have done. I pray that you'll draw lost sons and daughters, that you'll move amongst us, that we'll see your face, for it will truly be a spectacular sight to see. It's in your beautiful name that we pray. Amen. As we sing, you come, you do what you need to do, you confess, you pray, you find yourself here, you do what God is calling you to do. We love you.